Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Bailey podcast, bringing you your daily dose of basketball today and our first ever dual player coach combo. We have a very special guest today that I had the pleasure of meeting here in Boston. Matt Frischella played basketball and studied political science and government at Harvard University, where he helped the Crimson capture two Ivy League titles as a guard. Matt left Cambridge in 2017 to pursue a master's in business administration at Villanova, where he served as the video coordinator for the men's basketball team, helping the team become Big East champs. At Nova, Matt also produced the podcast Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright. Now Matt returned to his roots in Cambridge and serves as the assistant men's basketball coach at Harvard. Thank you so much for coming on, Matt. No, it's great to be here. I really appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, when you told me about the podcast, it sounded uh, right up my alley as far as, you know, sort of the background of it and uh, happy to kind of share my story and uh, whatever we have today. Awesome. So looking at your background, you've lived in some super passionate sports cities. I mean, being born in New York, raised in Dallas, competing in Boston and coaching in Philly. I got to know, like, what are your sports teams? What are your teams? Yeah. So I grew up uh, loyal to where I was born. So I'm a New York sports fan. Uh, So Yankees, Knicks, Jets. But yeah, so I'm I'm a loyal New Yorker, uh, even though I spent a lot of my childhood in Dallas. I still I do have some appreciation for the Dallas teams. I wouldn't call myself a fan, but I, I can kind of have some happiness when they win, like the Rangers uh, won the World Series the other night. So a lot of happy friends back in Dallas. But um, yeah, loyal loyal to my New York teams. I'm My first dog was named Fenway, so I'm a little bit biased to the Boston sports teams. But, you know, I dabble with some New York teams as well, of course. Um, so I know that your dad is a basketball coach and an ESPN commentator. I'm sure he influenced, you know, your your sports teams, the teams you pick um, and your love for sports in general. Can you tell me a little bit about how your family impacted your journey with sports, especially with basketball? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, from the youngest age I can remember, uh, I was in, grew up in a basketball gym with my dad coaching, uh, when he was at St. John's, uh, it's probably my earliest memories, uh, in New York and then later New Mexico and then, uh, moving into TV with ESPN and sort of the things that he's been able to do since, um, all I've known is kind of growing up around the basketball. So it's been, um, I, I think I'd like to think I had a choice about what I was going to do, but, um, I think just being, um, around it so much I just kind of fell in love as I grew up and got to experience some really cool things with my dad and my brother and my mom so I, uh, it's a little bit of the nature versus nurture you know like I just kind of it's if it's all you know it's it's hard to do anything else um, but my dad's been a great um, kind of built-in mentor for me he's kind of had the experience that I've you know hoped to have uh, as far as being a head coach one day and he's been in my shoes before so to be able to bounce ideas off of him Uh, And even to this day, even though he's not coaching anymore, he's still um, a lifelong learner. So for us to be able to talk basketball, talk hoops, and then my brother, who's also a coach, kind of same thing with him. We we all have a very close bond and have that shared experience of basketball to kind of help help keep us close. That's awesome. And I'm sure, you know, as an athlete, you have that innate competitiveness, maybe with your brother and your dad, too. So I'm sure that also kind of adds to the bond and the sitting around the dinner table talking about basketball and, and kind of in competition with each other. No, definitely. And uh, it's cool because my brother and I have taken different paths. He's worked in the NBA and I've kind of been on the college side. So, mm-hmm. you know, similar trajectory, but just a different kind of world as far as, um, you know, the the opportunities we're pursuing. And so we kind of have run our own race in a little in a little uh, bit of a way. So it's been cool for him to kind of be able to do his thing, me to be able to do my thing and us to be there to 
kind of have support for each other. But at the same time, our, our schedules are crazy. You know, we may go uh, nine months or a year without seeing each other in person. So it's like, you know, we try to stay close, but we also at the same time know like we have a lot going on. So if it's, you know, two or three weeks where we don't, you know, necessarily catch up, we're not taking it personal or anything. We kind of understand the the grind and, and the uh, kind of craziness of the season, especially. Definitely. And I'm sure growing up that also, you know, enhanced your bond with your brother as well. And I know, you know, most athletes looking to go Ivy are super regimented academically, athletically. What was your outlook on life, kind of that life balance between sports, education, and of course, a social life growing up? And and I'm sure you kind of shared that experience with your brother as well. Yeah. So I was fortunate um, that my parents really pushed me academically. Uh, my mom was um, a really good high school student, went to Duke and then transferred back home to SMU where she grew up in Dallas. And she was, uh, she's, you know, one of the smartest people I've ever been around. So she especially really pushed me to, to pursue uh, being, you know, being great academically. And uh, I, I decided at some point during my high school career, I wanted to use basketball as a tool to get to the best, you know, academic, you know, university, obviously that was a fit, but um, that I could get to. So uh, it was something that, you know, I really found myself, you know, it, it's a, it was a motivational goal for myself to, to, uh, you know, be really good in a classroom to be able to use that to get into uh, a high level ac- uh, academic university. So um, I found it, you know, where it was, it was obviously challenging to, try to be great at your sport or your, you know, whatever your extracurricular activity and be a great student. But um, it did require discipline. It did require um, what I, my best advice for kids that are kind of pursuing that is organization is so underrated um, as far as your time, your schedule, um, like you said, being regimented so that um, it's hard to just wing your weekly schedule and just say, I'll just kind of do my homework whenever I get to it. It's like, you really do have to map out because your days go by so quickly. When you get out of school, you have practice, you may have a lift or a workout. Uh, You have to eat dinner. And before you know it, it's eight or nine o'clock at night and you're tired and you want to go to bed. So there's a, it really does help to map out your week or your, you know, maybe your next two weeks and say like, Hey, these are the times I really got to lock in to study. These are the times that I'm going to put aside to do 30 minutes of homework um, or whatever it is. And, and uh, fortunately I had some really, my parents were great mentors. I was uh, in a really competitive academic environment in my high school. So I was around it and I had uh, a lot of support system to kind of guide me. But um, at the end of the day, you got to be disciplined, detailed and organized with um, how you go about your work. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm sure you use those tools that you learned in high school in your collegiate career at such a competitive institution. Could you talk a little bit about the culture at Harvard and, and your experience with that? Possibly, you know, even the effects it had on your mental health? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, having been at Harvard and then spending time at Villanova, just getting two different uh, athletic experiences mm-hmm. um, or seeing two different sides of the Villanova, obviously being top of the top as far as um, resources, uh, you know, national TV exposure, all that stuff. So being at Harvard, the one thing I really appreciated, especially in hindsight, was there's no one. um, The great thing about this place is there's a ton of resources for you to take advantage of. They really want to help you, but there's no one holding your hand through the process. So it's on it's really on you to seek out, you know, help to seek out, um, you know, tutoring or guidance or therapy or whatever it is that you need uh and it's all there for you but um it's you know i think a lot of schools it's they give you your books they give you your class schedule they give you your roommate they give you this and they kind of you have to meet with your advisor at this time every week and you know here it's just look everything's laid out for you whatever you need 
but you have to have the discipline to have the maturity and the, you know, growth to, to, to go ask for help. I think that's the biggest thing that we tell freshmen when they get here, mm-hmm. the number one rule is don't be afraid to ask for help. Like people think that when you get to Harvard, you know, people are expecting you to just be the smartest person and yeah. to be able to just handle everything that's thrown at you with, without any help. It's like, no, asking for help is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of being intelligent that you know what you don't know or know what you need help with. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially when you come to a place like this, there's a little bit of weight that it's like, man, I, I, I really, I don't have it all figured out. You know, everyone thinks because I'm going to Harvard, I have it all figured out. Like I don't, um, or everyone thinks that I, because I'm at Harvard, I should be really good at math or really good at this. And, um, there's a lot of kids that, you know, it, you're not alone when you come in here and struggle because it's a, it's an adjustment. Um, so, you know, I think that there's a lot out there, um, for you, but you, you do have to have the you know, maturity to say, I need help and I'm going to go pursue it. And people are there, you know, to, to guide you. Definitely. I loved what you said about, you know, asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of maturity. And I feel like so often for athletes, particularly male athletes, there's Mm -hmm. a stigma around them showing emotion or needing to seek out therapy or, or help. Um, You've seen this, you know, both sides as a player and a coach. Do you see a shift or evolution of conversation around male athletes and their mental health? I do. I do. I think a lot of it is um, it's been cool to watch some of the biggest names in our sport uh, step up and kind of come to the plate as far as mental health. Kevin Love being kind of one of the first forerunners of, um, you know, really putting out like, you know, he seems like he's at the top of his career, his life. You know, he gets married. He's winning an NBA championship. He's multi, multi million dollar contract. And yet he was still struggling, you know, uh, deeply with mental health issues. And so for people like him to, to kind of step up and, and there've been a, a, a number of others now in recent years, but, um, I do think just as even over just the past decade, I think you've seen colleges, even high schools and things like that invest in mental health. Um, you know, it's no longer, we're exiting the era of just, you know, coaches that are just, you know, pounding, 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 and like, are uh, just on guys all the time. And there's no, you know, if you can't handle it, you're soft. And, you know, I think we're kind of shifting away from that a little bit. And, um, and you still have to be, you know, be able to hold your players accountable and be disciplined and, you know, hold them to a standard. But there's also a side of it where I think coaches, especially older coaches, um, who have kind of been raised in a different way than the younger generation are yeah. kind of, it now coming around to the idea of, oh, no, like these kids really do need help, you know, off the court. And it's not like we said, and it's not a sign of weakness. It's um, just like an injury. Um, you know, you wouldn't just play through uh, a, a broken bone or, or you know, a torn ligament. You go get help. You get treatment. You get uh, ice and recovery. And it's the same thing for mental health. Um, you get thrown into environment, especially kids that go far away from home, you know, don't have friends or support system or whatever it is. It's um it can be jarring. Uh, so I think for colleges, especially, um, but, but other places too, to start to see them invest in mental health has been huge. And I think has paid huge dividends, especially now that there's not as much, or hopefully at all, um, much of a stigma around, Hey, I went to, I needed to get with a therapist or I needed to get with a mental health coach. That's not really looked down upon as much anymore as it used to be, uh, which is a great progress for, for not only, you know, athletes, but everyone. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And seeing uh, mental health as a, a physical injury or equating it to a physical injury, I believe that that's truly important. As a college athlete myself, I 
you know, we would have these open discussions about, you know, we got to hydrate or we got to this and it's, well, what about the meditation or what about, you know, what about the mental aspects, how to prepare ourselves mentally and take care of our mental health as we do our physical health. So I, I really appreciate that. I also really found it interesting when you were talking about the evolution, kind of the the older generation learning from the younger generation, right? I'm really curious to know what's it like coaching with with someone that coached you and and kind of that dynamic. Yeah, it's been a phenomenal experience so far, just being back for a little over a year now um, or heading into year two because um, we had a, a great relationship when I was a player and, and Coach Amaker is one of the reasons that I wanted to coach in college because the impact that I've seen him have on his players uh, and the relationships that he's carried through his career is something that I would you know love to have with the players that I coach. And I feel like I have to this point as an assistant coach. Um, it's But it's been really cool to be back because I kind of have a good feel for how he thinks, you know, obviously what his standards are and what he, you know, wants our program to be about um, in, a, in a holistic sense. So I can kind of anticipate, you know, some of the things that he wants done and mm-hmm. uh, anticipate some of the things he doesn't like, likes, doesn't like. Um, and I kind of, you know, I'm again, still learning, but when to, you know, speak up and, you know, challenge something and when to, you know, know and to, you know, be quiet and roll with, you know, what we're doing because, he's the head coach and this is his program and you just got to execute the things that, you know, he wants you to get done. So um, it's great because he gives our assistant coaches a voice um, to speak up in meetings and practice. You know, he gives us a lot of freedom to coach um, where he's not, doesn't have to micromanage every detail of practice. He kind of will give us some responsibility and then let us take ownership over it. Yeah, I'm sure you you learn from each other, you know, as especially as a player, you're able to offer a totally different perspective. And I'm sure the players really respect you because you've been in their shoes. It literally exactly their sho- shoes with the same head coach wearing the same jersey. I, I'm really curious to know how you use your college experience to inform your co- coaching style. Yeah, I just think that I've, uh, you know, you can draw on your experience as a player and what you liked and didn't like from coaching, uh, you know, from all the way back to middle school, high school, AAU, college, you know, and say like, I really responded well when people coached me this way. I didn't respond well when I was coached like this. But the other thing is, uh, the other part of it is just being on the other side of being, you know, you just mature and you become an adult and you kind of see the world in a different way. And you like, I I can now kind of see some of the things that my players or our players are doing that I would have done in college that may not be you know, the right way to approach things. And you just look at it differently as a 28 year old, as you do an 18 year old. So you can kind of help them kind of see like, you know, look, I understand why you are, you know, have this opinion about this specific thing we do basketball wise or off the court or whatever it is. But I'm telling you, I'm, I've gone through it as a player and now I've seen it as a coach and doing it this way is going to really help you in the long run versus doing it X, Y, Z. So I just think being, having a, a little bit of life experience and having learned from some great coaches, um, obviously coach Amaker, but Jay Wright and uh, the assistant coaches that we had at Villanova, three of whom are, have gone on to be head coaches. Like I've, I've been around some really great coaches and um, to, to be able to draw on their teaching styles, their leadership styles um, and even just their kind of life lessons and culture and things like that. It's mm-hmm. been cool to be able to, try to help these kids see things that I didn't even see when I was in college. Um, and I, I had an eye toward coaching and I still didn't really understand certain things. So being able to try to help them, you know, avoid some of the mistakes, um, you know, that they're 
may fall into as a college student, I think, you know, has been cool part for me because they, like you said, they do kind of have uh, a little bit of, I carry a little bit of credibility because I have gone through the practices. I have been a student athlete. I have done all the same things that they're doing so I can tell them how to avoid some of the pitfalls of, you know, certain, certain aspects of it. And as student athletes, you know, they, they have a huge responsibility in, on campus. I'm sure you felt the pressure too, um, and in their community. How do you show, you know, kind of leading by example or teach the team uh, you lead, how to lead others and how to engage in their community? Yeah. Um, one of the things uh, it's, uh, on our locker room wall, one of our goals um, is do well and do good. So, you know, it's not it's not just enough to do well in, in your sport, in your classes. Um, we have a platform, you know, that we have as student student athletes, especially at Harvard, where, you know, you know, Harvard is looked to to be sort of a uh, a leader in a lot of fields and a lot of, you know, community stuff. And um, so we, we try to tell our guys, like, you've been given something really important. Um, so you need to use it, you know, in a way that you can affect others, um, whether it's just sharing your story, whether it's volunteering your time, um, giving your you know resources, whatever it is that you have to give, like you've been given something really special uh, and they've earned it. They've worked for it, but, you know, they've been fortunate to be to land in the spot that they're in. Um, no one gets to where they are without people helping them yeah. without, you know, been a little bit of luck here and there. Um, so we've, we kind of try to remind them, like, don't, you know, take this for granted and use what you have, you know, the, the platform you have, what you've been given to help others. Um, and I think our guys do that. And I think they have a sense of gratitude for um, Harvard, you know, the fact that they're able to play college basketball, even, you know, we remind them there are people that, you know, like you guys, you know, that are fortunate to, to walk, to be able to speak, you know, to be able to see, you know, like there are people that are in really tough situations. Um, so just whatever gift you have, you know, we, we try to encourage them to give it to others. And that's how you really find, you know, fulfillment. Um, you can chase championships, you can chase personal glory or money or whatever it is, but we try to remind them like there's true satisfaction that comes out of um, finding a way to help others. Definitely, Matt. And I, I get the sense that you're you're empathetic. Like you, you want the best for the greater good for your team, whether it's your team um, as, as a coaching staff or your actual basketball team as a player. Can you think of a time um, where maybe that was challenged at, in your collegiate experience or your coaching experience where maybe you're you were put in a tough spot or you you had to deal with a difficult situation? Yeah, I just think, you know, for, you know, when you this uh, sport and business, especially on the coaching side is so um, I don't know. It's not, I, I don't want to say cutthroat, but it sort of is. I mean, it's just um, so much rides on every little decision game recruit, you know, this, that. So there are times where you just get so wrapped up in your own stuff because it feels like you're fighting, you know, for survival every, every day. And, you know, we got another game Saturday and, if we lose that one, you know, we're really in tough. Sp so you kind of just get wrapped up into yourself and it's easy to lose sight of, um, you know, looking out for others, um, you know, making sure to, that's why I find it really important. And, you know, again, we, we try to help each other, the assistant coaches, mm -hmm. our head coach, you know, our managers um, try to help each other. Like, Hey, you know, make sure you check in on, on so-and-so or make sure we like, let's not put off that visit to the boys and girls club, you know, just cause, we were feeling sorry for ourselves because we lost. It's like you really do have to um, kind of put things in perspective and, and check yourself on um, 
it really is bigger than you or bigger than your program. Uh, the stuff that we're able to do, um, we're really fortunate. So, um, you know, I can lose a game that it was my scouting report and, you know, I can get down or feel bad for myself or feel like I can only lock in on my own stuff because I really need to get this right or whatever it is. But you still have, you know, 15 players, you still have managers, you still have other assistant coaches, you still have, um, you know, former players, alumni, like people that are involved in the program. And um, it can't ever just be about you or what you want or what you're feeling. You really have to keep in mind, like you're, you're here to serve others. Yeah. And that I'm sure that comes from your lifelong experience being an athlete, being a team player. So looking ahead to this season, what are your goals on and off the court? I'd love to hear about, you know, the Harvard men's basketball plan of action, the game plan here. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, and we uh, the great thing about the culture that we've built here, um, you know, is that we talk about our identity, our standards and our goals um, and they don't change. So whether or not we're picked first in our league, picked last in our league, you know, we have the same goals heading into every year. Um, you know, we want to get better today. That's our first goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to win our next game. We want to advance in the NCAA tournament. We want to do well and do good. And we want to have fun. Like that doesn't change no matter who's on our team, you know, what we're projected to win. If we're going to be this, that like we, when you have a culture and you have certain things that you believe in, um, they, they don't, don't change year to year. Those are really your North, your North star, your kind of rock of what you build your program on. Um, so that's what we kind of live, try to live up to. Um, and it's great because, everyone in our program. And I, I firmly believe this, no matter where you are, um, you know, when you're a, when you run a program uh, and it has a real culture, like everybody in that program should know exactly what you're, what you stand for. Um, I shouldn't ask a player, you know, what are our standards and they don't know what it is or shouldn't ask a manager like, Hey, what are our goals? And they don't know what it is. Like everyone should know and be able because if they don't then not everyone's moving in the same direction and it's harder to uh to achieve the things that you want to achieve if you have people pulling you in different directions so mm-hmm. um it's been great for coach to i mean he's had 17 years here now this is his 17th season um to be able to build that and then for us to be able to hold ourselves to it every day um you know where we have our our standards that we hold our players to trust responsibility um being a team of execution never having a bad practice um, and then not having any personal agendas. Like those, those are our standards. So if you ask any player in our program, any coach, any, you know, whoever, they're going to know what those are. And they're going to know that that's what we hold our guys to every day. That's what we recruit to. You know, we want to recruit guys. Like if we don't think they're going to be trustworthy, we can't take them. If we don't think they're going to, you know, be a great practice player every day, we can't take them, you know? So it's, you kind of have those things. And so, um, I'm really excited for the seasons to start and, um, you know, but we don't change, you know, who we are, uh, based on what's, what's up next. It's that's, you know, that's, if we pursue those things, we'll feel really good about where we are as a, as a Harvard basketball team. Definitely. And in terms of Matt, in terms of your personal goals, I know you mentioned, you know, you want to be a head coach. What are your other, you know, as looking ahead, I guess this is my final question, you know, what, what are you hoping to, to learn about yourself during this coaching experience and what's your end goal here? Yeah, no, it's, um, I think, you know, it's, it's great to have long-term goals and, and one of them for me is to become a head coach. Um, but as I kind of 
head into a year or two as an assistant coach and able to be on the court and able to go out and recruit and do all these things. Um, you do learn a lot about yourself, um, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, you know, what works with connecting with players, what doesn't. Um, I'm fortunate that, you know, I still in a lot of ways can relate to our guys just being, you know, relatively close in age. Yeah. Um, but other things where, you know, I can look back at practices and say, like, I was probably too hard on, on guys today, or, you know, I didn't, I didn't teach well enough today. Or I didn't hold guys accountable enough today. And, um, and I, you know, I try to make notes and, and try to adjust accordingly. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing for me, I think, and one of my favorite phrases that um, coach Wright at Villanova would always says for all of our players, for all of our staff members, just be where your feet are. Um, you know, like be really, be really good at what you're doing today. Um, so if I have to, as a GA or video coordinator and assistant coach, clean out the equipment closet and reorganize it, be really good at that. Um, if I need to, you know, pump up the basketballs for practice, be really good at that. Make sure they're all organized, make sure they're lined up correctly. Um, you know, so I, I, it's easy to get caught up in like, I want to be a head coach. So what do I need to do to make a reputation for myself? But I think a lot of times, um, one of the things that I've learned, cause that was really how I thought when I was younger, first coming out of college and starting coaching was like, I need to make a name for myself and I need to be really good at X and O's and really good at recruiting. And it's just, you know, I think you, the more you, I guess, as you grow, you get older, you realize like what it really takes to run a successful program. And it's not always the glamorous stuff of landing the top recruit. It's you no know, making sure that the cones and the jump ropes are out for practice on time, you know, so that we can get started on time. It's making sure that, um, you know, you're, your drill is organized and that the guys don't have to take 30 seconds to line up. They're ready to go in five seconds, you know, things like that, that yeah. kind of get overlooked, but really go into running a successful program. And so, you know, when I, when I talk about what I want and what I want to learn, um, I really want to approach each day of just like, I want to knock today out of the park for, for our program. So what, what can I do? Um, and it's, uh, it's really given me a, a better, um, I guess, mental focus on not being so caught up in what's going to happen after the season or what's going to happen. What's my next step? When can I get this? When can I get that? It's just, what did you do today to help your team get better? Um, and, and when you look at it like that, I think it really helps you learn and grow, but it also makes your program better, which is the ultimate goal. Definitely. I, I cannot believe you said something about, you know, your coach saying, uh, be where your feet are, because I, I recently just went on this retreat and that was my big takeaway message was live where your feet are. Because I feel like so often in life we're looking ahead to the next step where whether it's the next job, the next promotion, you know, the next promotion. What are we going to do tonight? What are we going to do tomorrow? It's we just we never live in the present. And, you know, mm -hmm. your notion about the little things, the little things do really matter in the grand scheme of things. When I was looking for jobs, everyone was saying, you know, if you if you get assigned to get coffee, bring the best damn coffee, you know, you can bring. Or if you get, you know, if you have to do a write-up, make it like, just focus on that write-up because the little things kind of translating to sports, the little, for I'm a field hockey player, every little pull really matters for tennis. Every ball toss for your serve matters. There's everything works into the bigger picture. So I really appreciate you saying that and and can't thank you enough for for coming on today. And I really wish you and the Harvard men's basketball team the, the best of luck this season. 
No, I appreciate it. It's, yeah, it's great to be on here. Great to talk. And I was even just having to vocalize some of the stuff because it makes you kind of think about, you know, what what do I want to learn this year? What do I want to get better at? Um, and so to be able to kind of talk through some coaching stuff is always fun, uh, no matter um, what the platform is. And so I appreciate you having me on. Uh, this was great and I uh, had a lot of fun. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Daily Bailey podcast. I'd love to hear from you of what other guests you want to have on, what topics you want covered, and what do you want to hear from me? Please feel free to email B-A-I-L-E-Y-P-R-E-T-E at gmail.com for any inquiries or reach out via my Instagram, Bailey underscore Pretty.